Hello, and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, episode 71. My name is Mark Champlin, and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. What is up, girls and gays? Uh, so, you know, uh, quite a while ago, getting close to, to, to a year ago now, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, Fuck that. We, we, watched, um, we watched a little film called Scott Pilgrim vs. the World for this podcast. Um, and I think that sitting down and critically analyzing Scott Pilgrim versus the world uh, was one of the first times in my life when I started to realize that I couldn't, I can't rely on, oh, this was a thing that I loved in high school. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> I can't yeah. rely, I can't rely on that anymore because that's not true. Because when I was 15, I was an <laughs> idiot and a misogynist and just a worthless person <laughs> in terms of my ability to critically analyze media. Um, and, and so, uh, we, we took a risk this week, I would say, with another thing that I had a, had a deep love for in 2010. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about what we watched this week, Mark? Uh, if you haven't heard the Scott Pilgrim episode and you do like Scott Pilgrim, I would recommend not listening to it, because... <laughs> If you want to continue to like it, then yeah. just don't ever look at it with a critical. Yeah, eye. if you just want to, if you just want to not watch <laughs> Scott Pilgrim ever again and just like in the back of your head remember it as a great and fun movie, uh, be my guest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I highly recommend. Yeah. Um. However, uh, so there will be brawl is what we watched, which is a, a 2009 Smash Brothers fan series. Uh, you can watch this, and it holds up. Uh, we'll get into that uh, briefly. So this is directed by Zach Grafton and uh, Matthew Matt Mercer, um, who is known uh, for uh, his voice role in Overwatch and many other things, and also from the Critical Role uh, podcast. Uh, he went on to do big things. Um, he plays Ganondorf and a couple other things <laughs> yeah, yeah. in in this. Uh, so this is a gritty detective noir story featuring many beloved Nintendo characters in absolutely horrifying <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, the people get fucking killed in yeah. <laughs> this thing. It's brutal. Um, I do love the title. There will be brawl. It's like I feel like this is the type of thing where like they had to have come up with the title first. Yeah, like, definitely. Ooh, we got something. <laughs> We here. got something there. Um, yeah, so, you know, it is a, um, like Mark mentioned, it is it is kind of a noir story. The the Mushroom Kingdom in this is like a future dystopia city that's, like, entirely run by organized crime and, like, a shady de- police department that's headed by uh, Police Commissioner Link. <laughs> um, yeah. And the but mob- it's filmed at, at night in, like, downtown, like, Pomona or something. Yeah. Or Glendale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the, the mob bosses, which are Mewtwo, DDD, Gang, Ganondorf and Bowser uh, start to drop off one by one in a series of grisly murders. Uh, And Princess Peach is kidnapped as well as she often is uh, after she visits the absolutely fucking terrifying Hannibal Lecter-ass version of Kirby that they put in this thing. Um, And and our hard-boiled detective Luigi and his brother, way past his prime, raging alcoholic Mario, uh, have got (laughs) to get together and get to the bottom of it. Um... And I, it really, it really just does sound like the worst thing in the fucking world, doesn't it? Like, I'm sitting, like, when you were sitting and describing it, like, yeah, it's like this gritty detective noir Nintendo thing where all of these characters get fucking murdered and it's really serious. And it just sounds like the most corny fucking bullshit in the world, doesn't it? It does. And I thought it would be. 
How'd you feel about this one, Mark? <laughs> um, <clears throat> the, <laughs> I, I really can't, I, I can't overstate how much better this is than it sounds. It's, an, it's um, unbelievable. And it's unbelievable. I, yeah. So like, first of all, divorced from the fact that it's like smash, the, the plot of this could be like a season of not, not quite like one of like the better shows, but like <laughs> this is, this was to be passable for like a season of bones or like, or like CSI or yeah, something this is, like this is significantly better than any given episode of CSI SVU. <laughs> yeah, literally. Or um, sorry. I uh, think uh, then law and order SVU. <laughs> It's it's all that's all the same. Um, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, cr- crime crime procedurals is the same. Han- uh, Hannibal voice. Yeah. Um. Uh. So it is remarkably well written and acted. Um. I really think. Um. Uh, I, real quick, I want to say the um a good example of why this is elevated above your typical like what if Mario was in real life like dumb YouTube video or like rap song that somebody would make on YouTube (laughs) is like, so like everyone's done the joke of like Mario does mushrooms. It's like he's on drugs, but in this one, it's Mario is a failed doctor who lost his medical practice because of his addiction to pills. Like, yeah, because like Dr. Mario is a thing. Yeah. Because Dr. Mario (laughs) got cut from super smash bros. Like they come up with reasons for every character that got cut from melee to brawl to either like die or get rid, like be gotten rid of somehow. So like it opens up with like a news report announcing that like Roy and Pichu and Mewtwo have been murdered. And then they talk about (laughs) how like, and then Wario, you know, goes up to Mario and says, shame about your medical practice. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Shame about your medical practice. That's just, like little things like that, and there there are other you know depictions of characters like if they were in real life, blah blah blah, that I think are that I think actually do justice to the characters and don't just rely on like a gimmick. It's not just like Mario's on mushrooms. It, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's the the facade is never dropped. I think that's the thing that's like really critical to this thing is like yeah, it's incredibly self serious, um, and they were taking it that seriously the char- they hard commit yeah they yeah. hard commit to the bit in a way that is like really admirable um yeah like you said i think it is like absolutely unbelievable how well this holds up i was right yes. i was really expecting to not like this i was expecting it to like be a slog and be really like embarrassing and like cringy and bad um I think this is absolutely the best anyone has ever done fucked up nintendo like, by far, no question, not even close. No one has even come close to touching this. Like, it it, it has almost this, like, HBO, like, prestige drama kind of vibe to it. Like, especially with some of the dialogue. There is, like, a level of care taken to the way that the characters speak like characters in fucking Breaking Bad in this. Um, but it's, like, it's, it's, it's not that they are doing a parody of a prestige crime drama. They are doing a prestige crime drama. Like, they are 100% mm-hmm. committed to making this universe feel believable. Um, like, there there are genuinely moving emotional moments in this. There, but The point where... Listen, we're going to spoil that we brawl. If you've gotten this far, you should watch it if you haven't, because it's good. Um, like, when, when Red dies... <laughs> 
um, yeah. in this. And he, um, he, they have a funeral for Red, and they put on a video of him singing the Pokemon theme song in, like, a ballad. And then the very last shot of the episode is <laughs> a picture of this, like, bright-eyed kid on this videotape from before he got caught up in all this gang violence and got murdered. And he just says, do you guys think I did good? And I almost started crying. <laughs> yeah. It's legitimately good. Um, Like, I have my gripes with it, and we're going to get to our gripes, because it's from 2009, and it's from gamers, so of course it's got its problems. Um, And also, like, the plot, uh, like, basically completely falls off the deep end by the end, and doesn't actually, like, really make sense. But, like, you're here for the aesthetics, and the acting, and the monologues, and that stuff is great. Um... Yeah, the the thing that I actually love about the ending is that it is, if any of you guys have seen a full season of 2005 onward Doctor Who, <laughs> um, the culmin- the way things like culminate and you, you find out the little like hints that have been being dropped throughout the last few episodes all end in like, the, the, the things that happen. It's a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> and it's a bunch of cool like magical like it's it's re- it's really dumb and it it feels it felt exactly like a doctor who like very specifically like a certain doctor who season finale it feels like that was a big influence on yeah. them even down to like the the budget which is similar God. to what doctor who early seasons has the budget of yeah let's talk about let's talk about the look of this thing uh because as we're describing yeah, it i'm sure exactly. it's kind of hard to picture like what it is that is happening with this exactly so it is live action and like we said it like is shot uh in like dark city streets all the time and like shitty apartments and just looks really gritty and fucked up uh whole thing looks like it was shot in the camcorder which it probably was um and like it they're very obviously not operating with a big budget but the things that they managed to accomplish without a budget in this are like, amazing. Like, mm-hmm. the, okay, the Kirby pup. So, okay, so Kirby yeah. in this, he 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 is sort of, a, like, the instigator of this new fucked up era. They call him the cannibal. And he was involved in a series of extremely violent murders and devourings, including that of Princess Daisy, uh, now mourned by our hero Luigi. Um, the fucking Kirby puppet in this, man. Like, they put this thing in, like, a prison cell and make the guy who plays Luigi, who is, like, you know, wearing a Luigi outfit and a big nose and a mustache, go talk to this fucking thing. And it's so goddamn scary looking. I, if you, God, like, if you have not seen the absolute fucking monstrosity they built to represent Kirby in this, and, like, the thing is, like, it doesn't look... I think all of this stuff works to its advantage, right? Like, the Kirby puppet doesn't look real. It doesn't look like it's a real living thing there. It looks like a terrifying puppet with scary teeth and dead eyes. Um, And, like, you know, when Donkey Kong shows up in this, and it's just a dude in a gorilla suit with, like, giant ping-pong ball eyes that point in different directions, and then Donkey Kong starts, like, going crazy and hurting people, it's, like legitimately scary um Mm -hmm. in a way that i wasn't expecting it to be i don't know how'd you how'd you feel about kind of how how'd you come down on on the look of this thing um i think well this almost ties into something that i that i wanted to mention earlier which is like the death of like homemade web series 
And it's not that they don't happen now, but none of them look like this anymore. No. They, they they all have like they're all like sponsored by fucking Squarespace, and they <laughs> and everyone who makes them ha- makes like forty thousand dollars from Patreon every month, uh, or they're made by Netflix and they get a Netflix deal. Um, so it has all the budget of a fucking prestige. It looks yeah. like the Witcher or, Netflix show. Or like show. they're shot in vertical video on a phone and uploaded to TikTok, right? Like this. Yeah. This there tier is, yeah. of web content doesn't really exist anymore. So this originally aired on The yeah. Escapist, where there was like a lot of this style of stuff, and The Escapist uh, also ended yeah. up being an extremely shitty organization that didn't pay any of its workers. But anyway. <laughs> right. But um, but a website like The Escapist, like they, they those websites don't exist anymore. Giant Bomb is like the only one that kind of still exists. Yeah, it's like and... Giant Bomb and Polygon, sort of, yeah. are sort of doing that type of thing. But like... You don't get anything at this very particular budget tier where, like, this, you know, this thing is not a professional production. It, it It's messy. The sound mixing is kind of fucked up. Like, the practical effects vary wildly in quality. Um, but there's so much heart <laughs> in it. There, yeah. It, there's so much love and attention to detail like they get every single background character is a different nintendo character that they found mm-hmm. a new creative thing to do with and put them in, in a new creative situation yeah th- there is a massive amount of charm to the way that this looks even the bad things like when you look at captain falcon's helmet and you can tell that it's like made of cardboard yeah. but it like like some dude like made that shit out of cardboard and made it look as best as he possibly could mm-hmm. and there and then the actor is just like delivering a somber monologue <laughs> about what it's like to be a bounty hunter yeah. and like the cardboard fades away and you just see Captain Falcon. It's it's for real. Yeah, like um what one of the I think the most iconic moment for this in in this series for me uh is the one scene with King Dedede before he gets murked. Um, and he's like, you know, he's just like a big pasty dude with his face painted all white, wearing the King Dedede outfit with like a big cardboard beak affixed over his mouth that like sort of moves while he's talking. And like the first glance you have at it, it's so corny and you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. How am I going to take this seriously? (laughs) And then the guy that plays King Dedede just does this very like... You know, he's like the, like, kind of the reserved, more, like, reasonable mob boss. He's not as bloodthirsty. He just wants to, like, run his brothels and pay off the cops and be left in peace. And he has this, like, very (laughs) slight, like, southern drawl tinge to his voice. And like you said, the cardboard disappears. It's it's crazy how this thing gets you because it looks so cheap everything looks so cheap and plastic fucking marth and ike on the police force are wearing bright blue wigs that look like they were bought at party city yeah the 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 a lot of the characters are wearing like literal just halloween costume looking ass yeah. costumes and it doesn't matter and it doesn't like, matter they- and yet every single like the, and yet the dramatic moments land and yet you feel like yeah. these characters are are almost real people it mm-hmm. it's an unbelievable feat, um, and I think I think to kind of to kind of get into the weeds on that, I, I wanted to just kind of for this this last section of the episode, just kind of like go through uh, some of the characters that we felt like some of our favorite interpretations of Nintendo characters in this, uh, and then to wrap it up, we'll talk about some of our uh, less favorite <laughs> interpretations of characters in this. Uh, so yeah, yeah um, do you want to talk about the? the the portrayal of mario in this the 
the well yeah mario and um just the the, the brothers in general yeah. are, are just very interesting so uh, i i really like that mario's not the main character i think that was a very easy and correct choice to yeah. make is to not make mario the main character because mario is much more interesting as like as like a look at like like a fallen hero, he <laughs> yeah, uh, he's yeah, a, I'm, he's I'm a gonna... compelling character in this. Please continue. Yeah, uh, this I'm is not the, this say... is the first time Mario has ever been a compelling character ever. You, you, you know, in the Last Jedi, when <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking around, but uh, I, I was yeah, he's 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 the he's the Luke Skywalker who has abandoned the Force and he grew. Grew a big beard and he's drinking blue milk out of somebody's boob. That's the Mar- Mario is a depressed alcoholic and he is, um, you know, he's failed in love. He's he failed his medical practice. Um, he really uh gets he's very irritable. Yeah, and it's uh, a scary but performance. It's he, yeah, he gets fucking pissed and like, like at, at the drop of the hat, like shit. he just loses his mind and like a, flies yeah, into he, drunken rage. This was written by someone who has like, uh, who like understands what like an addict behaves like. Yeah, um, and, and I say that in like a like a it, it is a really powerful performance. It's it's acted well. It's. It's it. I mean, everybody who who wrote or worked on this clearly had a lot of experience in the genre because this is. I feel like all the characters that I liked the most are ones that like they fell into their trope, mm-hmm. but it was just written very well. So like it, they they did all the things they had to do. Yeah, like you know, like a character, a character being a washed up alcoholic, kind of like former celebrity and hero, is not you know a brand new idea for a character. Um, but they do such a good job of making Mario in this feel like what it is like to be around an unstable person who is very capable of hurting people that you care about. You can, there's moments where Luigi's like clearly walking on eggshells around, around him. He's been like, he's like, he'll be like in his dumb, like half Italian accent (laughs) that he just drops in certain situations. Yeah, real quick. It's really funny how like, like, (laughs) so Mario and Luigi both do the, like they add uh before things a lot yeah. because they're the Mario brothers, but like Mario is like kind of doing an Italian accent. Luigi is not at all. He's just he's not like, even trying. He's not even trying. He's, he's like, come on, bro. We, yeah. we, we, we um we've got to get out of here. We got to get to to uh, the apartment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, th- there's there are like moments where like you can tell there's the the characters are like afraid of what Mario's gonna do. They're trying to hold him back. Yeah. And, like, and and it's very it's, good. It's really good. Um, yeah, the, you you really liked uh, you really liked Wario, who God. we haven't mentioned yet. Wario in this, he they do. I think like you know this is the most like honest translation of a character into the real world out of out of everyone here. Where like I feel exactly like the same. this is the person that Wario would be in real life, where he is just like this absolute opportunist scumbag. Like he is yeah. just the slimiest fucking presence every time he's on screen. Like you just feel like more greasy <laughs> somehow, mm-hmm. um, and he is just like constantly backstabbing people constantly taking advantage of people but it's it's the performance man like it is he is just so just dripping with just like (laughs) how untrustworthy he is at your price 
I got to make sure it's up to snuff. You should be honored I'm paying you a personal visit. What's it with them? Ah, these are dangerous times. It's like that cannibal shit all over again. They say this guy likes to disembowel his victims. It's he. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I really liked the. There's a moment where um, where he like chases he like chases them away with with his dogs, which are Yoshi's. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> which are represented uh, it, by a bunch of people in big Yoshi costumes, yeah. <laughs> climbing around on their arms and legs and barking and growling. And yeah, it but, uh, is awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, chained chained with like spiky collars. Yeah. And there's a there's a part where like after that scene, Mario's like. Those were my fucking Yoshis. I uh, I had to sell them to that fuck after my uh, after my medical practice uh, went away because he's the only one who had the money to fulfill my prescriptions. And I'm just like, Wario would do that. Yeah. He would be like, like, what are you gonna give me for that? You gotta give me your Yoshis, and I'm gonna use them as my guard dogs. And Mario would be like, fuck you, fine. Yeah, yeah, that, that's. It's it's really good. I um we already talked about DDD a bit, and I I do love DDD. But um, do you want to talk about the absolutely incredible one scene wonder from Bowser in episode nine of this? Yeah, Bow- so <laughs> to, to, to set it up, like Bowser, like Bowser is like a sort of like structuring absence throughout the the series. Like Mario mm-hmm. thinks that Bowser is behind everything and is like he's, you know he's all he keeps going on about like it's fucking Bowser. It's always Bowser. I'm gonna fuck Bowser up. Um and but no one can get to him. He's a, he's a, he's a hard man to find these days. They say. Um, and like all that kind of shit, I love so much. All of the little like the world building in this is so good. Like what the way that they talk about the characters before you see them sets up so much about like who they are in this world. The way they talk about Bowser and call they say Bowser's a brutal fucker, but he's no psychopath. Uh, that's why he mm-hmm. can't be responsible for these murders. And they talk about like oh Bowser changed a lot ever since he went Buddhist after the cannibal. They they talk about how so many ca- <laughs> characters changed after the cannibal, and there there's. The way that they provide all of that, like, contextual, like, just, like, you just get little bits and pieces of what this world is and how it works throughout, and it's so effective. Um, And then you finally get, like, Luigi gets to the top of the Koopa Tower and meets Bowser at his his koi garden on the roof. (laughs) And how'd you feel about this? So it's funny because this week, uh, in uh, I'm doing some quarantine movie watching, mm-hmm. um, as one is wants to do. Um, I watched uh, the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight uh, <laughs> this week, yeah. And this this scene was just screamed Christopher Nolan Batman, <laughs> and in a good fucked way. up. I hope you, it, in, in, yeah. You, you know, so, so in a good way. I, yeah. I still, I think those movies are pretty good. Um, definitely very good superhero movies. Um, I think you're going a little too far if you're like calling them some of the greatest movies of all time. Sure, yeah, and um, also their politics are atrocious, but you know, the, the, we don't have politics, time for that. <laughs> they're, they're, um, I. I have found a I have found a read of the Dark Knight that lets me still enjoy it. Thankfully, <laughs> um, it's not the correct read. It's, it's not the it's like the way, read. <laughs> it's the way that I enjoy the Star Wars prequels. If if you know what I mean. Anyway, 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 anyway. Anyway, so but yeah, tell me about how you felt about this Bowser scene. It's I mean it's it's like better than the last scene of the Dark Knight. <laughs> it <laughs> the, is. I mean, 
there's a moment in, in the Dark Knight where Two-Face is like, uh, criminals used to believe in something in this town. What do you believe in? And it's just this whole soliloquy. And that's essentially like the the speech that Bowser gives. But Bowser has this very like, this presence about him that's like almost like Rutger Hauer at the end of Blade Runner. <laughs> like, it, he's just like... You're hanging on his every word and the way that it's the cinematography, it like goes back and forth between like over his shoulder. You see Luigi like listening. He has his back to Luigi as he's explaining like the way things can never go back to uh, being the way that they were. Things will never be simple like that again. He said you attacked him. (laughs) That slick rat. Listen to me, Luigi. That one's in it thick. He's primed to take over this kingdom now, with those ivory towers as his throne. Those towers. Did you know they started glowing when the cannibal first arrived? I've heard it said the gods left us then. Those towers are empty now. Those were good days, weren't they? I want to, like, briefly talk about, like, kind of, like, the larger narrative structure of this, which, again, I think is nonsense. But, like, there's an implication right. in the first episode. Because, like, all every character in this is talking about, like, things are like they used to be. Like, they always reference, like, don't you remember the good old days when Mario and Luigi were the heroes and they would save Peach and now everything's gone to shit. Um, mm-hmm. And in the first episode, when Luigi is doing the first one of those monologues, like, so there, the, there's a constant presence of, like, a Nintendo Tower that nobody ever enters in this series. Um, yeah. And the the implication when Luigi is talking about this in the first episode, as he walks by an ad for Wii Fit, um, is that this world has gone to shit because Nintendo turned their backs on gamers you know because nintendo it's true like that is and it's funny because remember how much of a big fucking deal that was in 2009 when this came out remember how much people wouldn't shut the fuck up about how nintendo was going casual because they made wii sports and wii fit and they don't care about the true gamers anymore and like the implication is that 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 is what this is about Mm -hmm. yeah which is and and the 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 final, like, scene of the movie, the ending, like, confirms this. Yeah. Uh, it, but... <laughs> the, last scene, the last scene is is Kirby calls up Luigi, and uh, we see that Kirby has eaten uh, <laughs> Shigeru Miyamoto and is sitting yeah. at his desk. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nonsense. Um, but, yeah, like, I think, like, they're... There are so many moments in those monologues that feel like they're from a real TV show or a real movie. Like there's that monologue where Ganon ha- that Ganon has where he's talking about how uh you know what how Hyrule used to be this great nation uh before it was like uh ex- what, pulled into the Mushroom Kingdom and came boring and bloodless like everything else. Uh, and he, yeah, so um he has that well, line Gan- where he says the once yeah. great nation fell not to barbarians or landlords but to bureaucracy. Men lived and died by the sword. They, they protected or damned their families by the weight of their sack. This was a great nation. Yeah. That, that was pure, like, shonen anime. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's, uh, and there's all kinds of stuff like that. Like, there's the, there's the part where, um, 
I can't. I think I can't remember. I think this is Bowser again, where he says, "Brute strength is out, my boy. The only goods are cash and sex." Yeah, the, literally, it's Bowser says that. It's filled with lines like that. Bowser says that as he somberly looks into his koi pond. Yeah, and then it's like, the, and then like, it's the best shit ever. Commit suicide to kill all of the Mister Game and Watch demons that descend upon him, and that's his. That's his final scene. It's. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really good. So we've spent uh, close to 30 minutes now talking about how much we like this thing. Oh, man. Um, so I'm going to talk about some things that I don't like uh, in this. Um, there's a few that I don't feel like I can give like a deep dive, full-throated explanation of of my distaste for it. I'm, I'm mostly going to touch on it. And then there's some stuff I feel a little bit more comfortable speaking on. Um, so let's run through some of the character portrayals that were a little uncomfortable. Uh, starting with Waluigi. Uh, yeah, the Waluigi is just, um, the, the entire joke is that he's like a mentally handicapped person yeah. and, uh, Wario has to like take care of him as if he's a child, but yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's weird because this yeah. thing rides such a line between like being a comedy, you know, and being a very serious thing. And so you're pulled between like, oh, look, they made Waluigi be like, a mentally disabled person and like he's still he's obsessed with sports and mario party and wants to go play tennis all the time and doesn't know where he is and stuff like that and like that's maybe supposed to be a joke or Mm -hmm. are we supposed to genuinely feel bad for waluigi are we supposed to see it as oh this is the one thing that wario has that keeps his humanity you know like and and this thing kind of wants to ride the line between those two things and i think that's there's a discomfort there because I like, you know, as much as I do think that like, it is amazing that this thing takes itself as seriously as it does and is successful. I think there's some topics that it just, because it is this goofy Nintendo parody thing, it should not be touching. And I don't well, think we, it should be touching that. We, we've talked before about th- whether things earn the ability to like get a seat at the table to actually talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think surprisingly, this show takes itself seriously enough that like it wants a seat at the table. So it does need to handle these things with a lot of grace. Yeah. And I, I would, I would say uh, that I don't think they handle this with a whole lot of grace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So uh, the 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 next kind of two sets of characters that I want to talk about um, play into something in this show where. There are things that I think aesthetically make sense and I kind of like seeing them Great put show. on screen in this. Um, like, okay, I'm going to use an example to kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about from outside of, out of this show. I'm going to talk about the X-Files for a little bit. On the, X, on the X-Files, um, frequently they go back to the crazy scary guy the oh this person's in an insane asylum and they're dangerous you better watch out they're terrifying um and that's obviously an awful fucking trope uh because mental illness does not make people violent like tv wants you to think that it does being having psychotic symptoms does not make people violent the way that tv wants you to think it does that said on the x-files you get these incredible performances these incredible like very disturbing performances from amazing character Mm -hmm. actors playing these 
insane asylum patients. And so yeah. you are caught in this sort of middle feeling of like, this is gross, but it's well executed. Um, and I like it. And that makes me feel bad. Um, and I think there's a lot of stuff like that in this. I think they, they, they lean on the crazy people are scary thing in this a lot. That's basically Olimar's character in this. He's like a, the end is nigh doomsayer holding up a sign in the ghetto, uh, kind of character and who is supposed to you're supposed to be frightened of because he seems unhinged uh and maybe has you know is having psychotic episodes um and i don't super care for that um another one is like the spacies being like the scary immigrants which i don't yeah. love <laughs> like I, and this is the thing right is like i think the performance for fox and falco in this is great. Like, they're wearing these ridiculous... Like, they have, like, this crazy fucking makeup, and, they and like, they have, like, animal noses and stuff, um, and they're wearing yeah. the fucking outfits. And, like, the performance from both of them is, like, genuinely very affecting, but also they basically... Like, they, they're, they're just given, like, generic foreign accents. Like, they just kind of sound like they're from, like, Russia, Eastern Europe... Italy, yeah, whatever like the fuck, you know? General, like, a Slavic vibe, yeah. almost. Like, I feel like they were, like, like Slav, like, dude bro type of yeah. uh, thing. But it's it's nonspecific enough where I feel like they were like, well, just do, like, a foreign accent and it gets the point across. Yeah. What are we having? I don't want to trouble. Oh, you got trouble, guy. Unless he is here for buying. Ah. Ah, reflectors for cheap? Bayonet, good for slicing. Chaplain master, bro. <laughs> Overpowered like, whoa, we've a future, everyone having one. Which, which is, yeah, you know, not... Totally. That's bad. Which is bad. I think people, I think people, uh, I think, I think it's easy to want to think like, oh, well, they're not doing, they're not making fun of any particular foreign country. They're not, they're not doing a goof on any particular culture. So it's fine. Um, and I like reject that notion because I think that like, you know, first of all, when you see stuff like that, it's always based on a real culture in some way. Um, and it's also like, just kind of like generally like playing into the xenophobic aspects of our culture um so I, I don't i don't feel super great about that stuff even though i think the fox mcleod performance in this is really good right. i like felt bad about it um let's talk about the gay stuff the 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 gay stuff is really it's it's interesting I'm so i, I on guess the fence I'll, about it yeah, yeah. It, i I'll, I'll give my surface level take so in this so in this show um captain falcon and pitt are in a relationship. Yeah, and Captain Falcon, like, owns a gay club in, like, the seedy part of town. And, like, this is the thing, right? right? This is this is that part of, like, I like that. I like that interpretation totally. of Captain Falcon. I think that's... Yes. Uh, I think that's a good thing to do. And, like, yeah, Pitt is a fucking twink. He should be a twink yeah. in this, and Pitt, that's what they Pitt did being, with him, you know? Yeah, Pitt being, like, like a pouty, like, twink bottom is, like... <laughs> yeah. He, okay, he absolutely is that. He like, absolutely I could, is I could have told you that. Yeah. Um... And they have a relationship, and there are some genuine moments of, like, they showing that they care about each other. I kind of like the way that Captain Falcon says, my angel, (laughs) when he talks about him. Like, like my angel convinced me that I should go back and fight. Um, So, like, on a surface level read, like, it is, like, a 
an almost like an unironic like like yay representation like they just made him gay yeah and that's just part of his character um but I, you can't I feel, you can't yeah. get over the thing in the back of your head that you know is true which is this was made by a bunch of straight gamers and the idea of gay captain falcon was funny to them yeah you know the, the, like you can't get around it do, do you kind of feel like it's the thing of like 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 i get to say i get to say uh captain falcon is is a top and he owns a gay bar <laughs> yeah like that it's funny it's funny and cool when i say it but like when like straight guys say it it's like not as chill yeah it feels stereotypy in this it feel like they, they replace captain falcon's like scarf thing with like this kind of like see-through ascot that looks yeah. very like effeminate and like you can just feel them being like oh isn't this so funny we made captain falcon look kind of gay like and and as much as like I don't feel like the show like really leans on that like it doesn't feel like it's it's going out of its way to make fun of the fact that it has gay characters like I get that feeling in my stomach of like yeah but I kind of know what the intent was here you know I yeah I I will say that like the I'm sure the temptation was there to make these characters like flaming and like mm. over the top but they they do kind of play Captain Falcon fairly uh, they, they play him fairly straight, no pun intended. Um, as <laughs> yeah. in, like he he acts as the like way that you would expect. Gay dude, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Pitt is hamming it up as the brattiest fucking bottom I have ever seen. But but I, I'm I, I like I get that. Yeah, right? he's, he's the <laughs> That's fucking just worst. I have met this fucking kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so so to wrap up, uh, you know we couldn't get through this without hitting on. How they handle the women. Um, it's disappointing because it feels like they didn't have any ideas for what to do with the female characters in a gritty, realistic version of the world besides make them strippers or make them prostitutes. Um, like, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> the male characters are like, some of them are mob bosses, some of them are detectives, some of them are police chiefs. Some of them, like, like they, they do a good job of, like, finding, like, roles that make sense in this world for a lot of these male characters to come in. Um, like... They don't know what to do with women besides, like, give them bleach blonde hair and make them speak in a sultry voice, <laughs> you know? Um, like, the the whole thing with Princess Peach in this is she she talks like this, you know? And, oh, wow. And she is sleeping <laughs> with Mario and Luigi and says, you think I'm a whore, don't you, to Luigi at one point. And it's just, like, it's just bad. Like, it's just cringy. And, like, Samus is pretty prominent in this. And, like, she's, like, a stripper, um, and they, like, hint at her being a lesbian, and it's, you know, whatever. Um, and, like, the only central female character that isn't one of those things is Zelda, and Zelda, like, her story doesn't make any fucking sense in this. Like, she's, like, she's, like, acts as the interim princess for a while, and she's supposed to have been with Link, and then she turns on Link and stabs him, and then later she shows up at the end and she's kissing Ganondorf, but then someone else kills her, and it just doesn't... She doesn't have a personality, she just kind of exists to, like, move the plot forward, and nothing about her story makes sense. So, like, I don't know, I was disappointed. I feel like we could have got a better Samus and Sheik out of this thing than they than they made, you know? And, like... You yeah, the... 
I thought there would be a lot more to the Sheik thing. She she makes an appearance as Sheik a couple times just to like throw a needle at somebody and then like disappear. Yeah. Um but yeah, again, her intentions are never made clear enough by the plot that it's like interesting. No. Uh Yeah. And like they I, uh, they take yeah. all of the, they take all of the Nintendo like minor female characters and make all of them prostitutes. Like there's the scene where like they're at DDD's brothel and it's just yeah. like here's all of those like background characters from Zelda like Saria and the girl from Lon Lon Ranch and shit and they're all strippers and prostitutes now. Like that and it's just like I don't know, it feels it feels lazy in this when they do such a good job of finding like believable uh places to put the other characters namely the male characters and it feels like with the women they were just like oh, i don't know what a, what's a gritty version of a woman a prostitute all right there, yeah. there we go <laughs> and like it's it's not hard to think of something better like the idea is like all oh, the bounties have dried up so she's got to make money somehow so she like so they're like, oh, make her a stripper. Yeah. Whereas, like, she could just as easily have been like, oh, so she had to join the police force just and, and like now she's Marth's new partner after Roy got killed. Like, I just pulled that out of my ass. But like, that's and that's a better idea than what they did. That yeah. that's a better idea. That's yeah. a non-sexist we, idea. Yeah. Instead, we have to see a, an actual flesh and blood woman wearing a very cheap version of the Zero Suit Samus skin suit, uh, stripping on a stage in front of people. Um. Any other thoughts on There Will Be Brawl? This is, I, before this episode started, I was like, yeah, this should be a pretty short one. I think we just have some, like, basic thoughts on this and we'll get out. And now we've been talking for 40 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it was a three-hour uh, epic series. Yeah, this is this is the longest thing we have watched for the podcast. It is, it is a total of three hours over ten episodes. So, yeah, but... Um, overall, I think people should watch There Will Be Brawl. Like, I was expecting yeah. this to be a slog... But it, like, got me through work today. Like, usually when I watch something at work, in my spare time at work, it's like, oh, God, this is almost as bad as being at work. <laughs> um, but all, all the time. This, this was like, oh, like, this is getting me through the day. Like, this is an entertaining, like, snippet. Everything, every episode's, like, 30 minutes or less, and they just fucking get to it, and it's, like, well-paced and fun, and I liked it. And that was shocking. Yeah, this is, I you think... know what's crazy? This is one of the best things that we've watched for this podcast. Yeah, this is easily top five. Yeah, I think despite its despite its minor issues, um, I really think that this is something that I can pretty wholeheartedly recommend to yeah. people listening to this. And I also would say that um, if you're maybe a little bit younger than us uh, and you you kind of weren't uh, at the right age to be enjoying this type of internet content in two thousand eight and nine. Uh, this is a really good uh, time capsule for that period um, yeah, for definitely. you to experience um, uh, that period of kind of video game fandom and uh, and uh, YouTube content. Uh, it's like watching an old Mega 64 video. It's like <laughs> that type of thing where it's just like, man, I remember this. Uh, so if, if you if you weren't around for that era, um, this is easily the thing that i would recommend yeah i i think i think i want to leave leave us on the note of how fucking embarrassing is it how 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 many millions and millions and millions of dollars have been poured into terrible 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 video game movies and a bunch of fucking nerds on the internet with a shoestring budget made 
hands down one of the most compelling and fun things that we've watched for this podcast. Uh, you know what they say, gamers rise up. Meritocracy is a fucking lie. What are we watching next week, Mark? <laughs> Um, uh, we are watching, uh, speaking of millions Um, of dollars poured into garbage. Yeah. So this is apparently one of the most expensive at the time, uh, (laughs) video game inspired movies. Uh, it's we're, we're doing final fantasy spirits within, uh, it's from 2001. It's CGI, (laughs) which means it's going to look like shit. Um, (laughs) it is, uh, so it's directed by the creator of the Final Fantasy uh, franchise, um, Hironobu Sakaguchi, uh, and it is, uh, oh God, the first photorealistic computer animated feature film, um, which, oh, like, you know, the, so that means it I looks feel, like shit. <laughs> we're going to get some major prequel vibes out of this thing, I yeah. predict. Um, yeah, it it has a star-studded cast, apparently. Yeah, you want to um, read off some of those names? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna just read the ones that you that you most likely will know. Um, we've got Alec Baldwin, <laughs> uh, Donald Sutherland, James Woods, uh, Ving Rhames, uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. We've also got M- Ming Na Wen and Perry Gilpin. If if any either of those people mean anything to anybody, <laughs> but I just I just laughed my ass off when I saw Alec Baldwin, James Woods, Ving Ving Rhames, and Steve Buscemi. Yeah, God, like that's every one of the main actors of 2001. <laughs> Yeah, that's God. all four of the 2001 actors. Fuck. So this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a follow up to Cartridge Cinema Club episode four on Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, and uh, we're gonna see. We watched that movie, and neither of us could recall a single thing that happened in it afterwards. So uh, we'll see how this one goes. Where can people? Find I predict the, pain. Where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? You can find us at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter. That's at Cartridge Cinema. Join the Discord. It's linked on the Twitter uh, in the pinned post. Uh, we are continuing to do movie nights yeah. during this quarantine period. Spider-Man 3. Oh, <laughs> Spider-Man 3. This, yeah, Monday night, uh, the, the night that this goes up, Spider-Man 3 in the Discord. Yeah. Come join. It's going to be a in. good time. Tune in. Join the Discord. Yeah. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, you should rate us positively. Give us a nice little review. That's always nice. We do read them, obviously, because there's only like six of them so far. <laughs> um, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. I'm trying to hold in a burp. Um, for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> Fuck cops. Don't join the military. Peace. Peace. <laughs> we out. No stinger. Yeah. This episode's too fucking long. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry that it's long, but it's it's probably good. That was old school. That was old school triple C.